Okay, let's do this one last time, yeah? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider. Call me Spider-Man! I want that ball-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I'm Spider-Man. I want him strung up by his web! Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man! Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Spider-Man Book Club. This podcast is all about digging into the library of everyone's favorite wall-crawling menace and his friendly neighborhood corner of the Marvel Universe. I'm your host, JJ Hodges, and today I am joined by Spidey Dude himself, Zach Joyner. Zach, thank you so much for uh, for jumping on today. It is an absolute honor and a privilege and a pleasure to be here. Um, I, I'm very excited to talk about this issue. Uh, you have a story that you're, uh, I know you're itching to tell, so I'm excited to hear it. Um, but before we do that, I would like to uh, get to know your spite, your spidey origin here. So my first question is, when were you first bit by the uh, by the radioactive spider? I knew this question was coming, so I'm bringing visual aids. Uh, right. This is my very first issue of Spider-Man. Uh, okay. It is very well read, so well read that the legs on it are, I'm holding up a copy of Spectacular Spider-Man 223. Uh-huh. Uh, the legs are all falling off. It's, 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 it's tattered. It's a, it's, I got this when I was six years old. Uh-huh. Um, it was my first introduction to Spider-Man. This was in the middle of the Spider-Man clone saga. This particular issue came out the same month as ASM 400. Um, and, uh, I got this at a grocery store because my father, uh, was tired of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and, uh, thought that he, we needed to do something a little different. And between that and Power Rangers, he introduced me to Spider-Man because he read Spider-Man when he was a kid. Hmm. Uh, he used to go down with, uh, his brothers to the little grocery store. They would go and get... Um, they would go get, uh, Coke bottles at the Coca-Cola plant uh-huh. and they would, they get glass bottles, go take them to get recycled, get 30 cents per six pack. So they would get three, six packs each, get 30 cents, go down to the, to the, uh, drugstore and get two comics and a soda pop for 30 cents. Wow. And, and uh, they had the first Fantastic Four, uh, the first appearance of Spider-Man, X-Men. Um, when I told him and his brothers how much those comics were worth today, they all three had about had strokes. Um, I said, <laughs> if you guys had just, I said, if you guys had just gotten like a like a reader copy and then a collector copy and kept it, you could have funded all of our college funds if they were in mint condition. <laughs> and they started they they started laughing so i was like you know but uh so that's so my dad grew up with comics and then he passed that along to me uh i've since introduced my daughter to uh to comics um particularly spider girl Mm -hmm. so uh the tradition continues she's not as hardcore into it but she knows that daddy likes it and she knows that daddy likes to revel in it so she she likes to do things with me and so it's more of a thing we do together so which is it's been really really cool um, to be able to pass that down. 
That's uh, that's awesome. Uh, I I do the same thing with uh, with my daughter. We've been watching uh, DC superhero girls, um, which I I found uh, really entertaining actually. Um, and uh, I was like, I was like, oh, this show is actually kind of cute, uh, and mm-hmm. it's actually also very funny. Um, and you know, and watching uh, like she loves Catwoman, like that's her big thing. And I try oh. to. I try to every now and then be like, well, hey, there's Spider Gwen, you know, there's there's you know, there's Spider Girl, there's Bat Girl, Bat Woman, or whatever, and she she just will gravitate towards Batman or Superman or Spider Man, and I'm just like, all right, well, I'm trying to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, um, the good thing is, is when she gets a little older, I think she'll probably be more into like, I want to do the the girl stuff. Uh, yeah. I kind of found that uh, she knew who Spider Man was very very early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my daughter and and then you know she likes that she's very girly and very girly girl and mm-hmm. so then she eventually started getting you know she likes like early like she was here yesterday and she's you know comes in my office and she goes amazing spider girl because now she's old enough to read on her own and yeah. she's like i like spider girl and so it, it's been really cool my uh my co-host of my spider girl show cosplayed as spider girl and so a couple of years ago on her birthday, she uh, gave her a happy birthday message in, in costume, in character. So that was kind of fun. That's um, awesome. So, you know, it, it's been a, it, it, your, your, your perspective changes when you have a kid and yeah. um, it's really been very rewarding. And my dad has been very, uh, has thought it's been really cool that, you know, she's, She's not as into stuff, but like, you know, we'll go see some of the Marvel movies together. Um, and we went and watched Love and Thunder together and we watched No Way Home together. And mm-hmm. she really, really liked them. And so, you know, it's the good thing about this generation of kids growing up is they have so much that we didn't have as kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, because when I had when I was a kid, I had we had Batman, the animated series. We had Spider-Man, the animated series, the X-Men cartoon as well. Yeah. And and we thought that was like there it couldn't get better. And then, you know, now <laughs> clearly it's so much better. So yeah. Uh it's really, really cool to um to see. So um the the joke I've always made is like kids today don't know how lucky they have it. Like when I was a kid, we had to wait three years between every Batman movie and we had no idea if they were gonna be good or not. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it you know, it, it's exactly right because you know. We didn't. Yeah, we had to wait three years between the Batman movies. We didn't know if they were going to be go- any good. I I have all all um, I had to buy the Batman one again, but I have all four of the Batman Forever McDonald's glasses. Oh, they're yeah. in my they're in my cabinet right now. You know, I I was a huge Batman fan because of the animated series, and I had all the toys and stuff like that. So I was a big Batman fan, but Spider Man just like took it to the, that next level. It for me, it's a uh, you know it. The, it's it's Batman and Spider Man are one and one to me, you know. So it's uh, you know, I I almost have to distinguish it by saying, well, like if Batman will probably get the edge, but you know, depending on the day of the week, you might come in and um, and I've and I'm binging, you know, all the Spider Man movies, even the, you know, even you know, because my hot take is that Amazing Spider Man Two is better than Spider Man Three, which tends to. Ooh, uh, <laughs> that is that is a spicy take. You and my yeah. buddy uh Hobby would probably agree. 
Um, oh, yeah, I know Javi. Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Javi, Javi is I, I've actually met Javi in person and, and been to Javi's house. Uh, and so I love Javi. I've known Javi on the Internet wise for 20 years. Oh, wow. Um, and because we came up in the message boards together, basically. And uh, but yeah, he's a big he's a big Andrew Garfield ASM2 fan. I, we always joke about the hobby cut because the hobby cut basically cuts out all the bad stuff. And if you yeah. watch it, if you watch the hobby cut, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the greatest Spider-Man movie of all time. Mm. <laughs> if you don't watch the hobby cut, then you're, it's one of the worst, but like, so yeah. it's, I, I, I am one of those. I don't, I don't get the hate on either. I, I get the hate a little bit on both, but I don't have the visceral hatred that so many others do. I find things that I really enjoy about both films. Um, and so I am one of those that, yes, um, like No Way Home and Spider-Man 2 and the first Raimi film are like my top three. Of course. And then it's very malleable um, between four and nine. Yeah. And so, um, and, and I would, and people are like, well, why aren't you including uh, Into the Spider-Verse? Okay, but that's also animated. I, I I struggle, you know, if we're talking live action, we're talking live action. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, I think uh, Into the Spider-Verse is probably my number four if I'm including it. Yeah. Um, I hope that the new film is going to be as good as the first one. We'll see how July looks. Um, it's, yep. it's, a, it's just a really good time to be a, a Spider-Man fit fan if you like Spider-Man in other medium. Right yes. now, the comics are a little hit and miss. Or... <laughs> But uh, the current run has left me very hot and cold. But yes, <laughs> um, I I am enjoying um, the you know there was a time where I wasn't in, I was not enjoying being a Spider Man fan or the books, and it's nice to be able to say that I'm enjoying being a Spider Man fan again. And I'm, even though I'm not necessarily enjoying the books, yeah, it it's a uh, it's sort of the the fun. You know, I'd say fun kind of liberal, liberally, liberal, liberally. Anyway, uh, you all know anyway. <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's sort of the fun of being a fan because it's like if you don't like what they're doing now, just wait a little bit and it'll and it'll all change pretty soon. Um, and it reminds just... me of the it reminds me of the weather back home where I'm from. We had a we have a saying. I'm from the top of Texas uh-huh. uh, originally. Up by Oklahoma, New Mexico, and and the running joke is, if you don't like the weather in the Texas Panhandle, wait a minute, it will change because it is one of those things where it can be seventy degrees at eleven a.m. Mm-hmm. and by five p.m. it'll be twenty degrees and blowing snow. That's just how it goes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I I live in Erie, PA, so I totally understand. It's uh, oh, it's yeah. You, it's, are, is are are things good in your neck of the woods in terms of like the the quality and stuff? Like the air quality all with all that train derailment and stuff going on? Um it th- that that hasn't affected us as far as I know. Um but um you know it, it, we didn't have any snow in February. It's snowing now, even though it was like almost 50 degrees <laughs> this afternoon. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, y'all have lake effect snow and yeah. and you know, and that and that is just a whole different can of beans. Yeah. So um you know, I, I tell people like, like the, the 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 Midwesterners are very hardy. I used to complain about you know our weather, and then I worked in Nebraska, and then I was 
hearing the stories of like how their what their winters are and then i i was like i'm going to shut up the people i i moved down to the houston area because that's where my ex-wife took my kid mm-hmm. and so i hear all these guys complaining about it being 35 degrees and i'm like oh you poor honey sweet child you don't understand <laughs> what cold is oh yeah, yeah. um <laughs> they're, they're you know they talk about that that 2021 big freeze where everything just you know died essentially and mm-hmm. i was like they're like well how cold was it where you're from and i was like oh it was negative 17 yep. with the 30 with the th- minus 30 windshield and and the the blood in their face just drains they, yep. it does not register with them so. right <laughs> um yeah it's i mean it's something else here you know we uh mm-hmm. you, you just kind of have to roll with it essentially <laughs> yeah um, i'm sure but uh so uh, moving on, um, outside of, uh, of Peter, do you have uh, who is your favorite Spider-Man character? Um, it would be sacrilege for me not to say this, but Ben Riley. I, okay. If it's not if it's not Peter, it would be Ben Riley. Um, and it goes back to that you know that first comic. I mean, it's you know it's got a big giant girl spider symbol on it. Yep. Uh, you know it's a. Ben, I got into comics in a weird time. Obviously, it's an infamous time. But for me, <laughs> yes. I was born a tw- I was born a twin, and so as as a result of that, I um I identified with that twin element of the Clone Saga, uh-huh. and so I take that very personally. And I I, I was born a tw- uh, my sister was a um uh was handicapped from the time we were three weeks old, uh-huh. and so. You know, I identified with the other flawed clone in Kane. So there's like these all these little meta elements to the clone saga that I identify with that other people won't. And I I acknowledge that and I understand that. Sure. Um, but ben, but Ben followed by Kane you know, are probably my two favorite Spideys. Uh I like Miles. I, I just prefer him when he's in his own universe, personally. Mm-hmm. Um uh they've done better. I, I think the uh um gosh, who is writing him? Cody Ziggler's now is the writer now. Cody Ziggler, yeah, I really am enjoying Cody Ziggler's run. Ahmed's run really wasn't that good to me. I, I just it never connected with me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Part of it may have been the artwork. Part of it, just the the writing and the art style, I wasn't a huge fan of. But Ziggler, um, he I felt like he did really good during the Beyond era. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of my. He was the guy I had the most concerns about coming into that, and I was pleasantly surprised how good his stuff was. And I think his Miles stuff is really, really good. So, um, I am I am pleased with Miles right now. Uh, obviously, being a Ben Riley fan, we just came off of the uh, the Dark Web storyline. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of problems with it. Yeah. Um, as a Ben Riley fan, um, I just it, it really, really. Uh, Marvel has tried really, they've tried three times now to make Ben Riley into a villain. And the Ben Riley fan base is really not responding well to being a villain. Yeah. And, um, it, it's one of those things where it's like they're, you know, it's like beating your head against the wall a little bit. Um, I did, however, enjoy the Hallow's Eve issue that just came out last week from when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, Hallow's Eve number one came out. I was like, all right, I'm going to check it out because it's Janine. And it really, really was good. I thought it was a very well-written book. Um, pleasantly surprised. Uh, it, it felt like the, you know, I'm one of those, because I came up in the era I did, J.M.D. Mateus is like one of my favorite writers. Tom mm-hmm. DeFalco is one of my favorite writers. 
And so, uh, in fact, both of them wrote parts and, and people are like, oh, it's because they wrote your first issue. Well, yeah, that helps, but sure, it, it helps that their other work uh, also resonated with me as well. So, um, and then if I had to do give you a, th a third one, though, it'd be Mayday Parker. So yeah. Kane, Ben, and Mayday Parker, those are my top three alternate Spideys. Um, Mayday, I was a part of the team of the guys that, you know, invested money to put an ad in previews, despite what Tom DeFalco having a stroke almost when he heard that. <laughs> uh, the The story of of the Save uh, Spider Girl campaign is something that that was one of the reasons that we started the Make My Mayday podcast. Mm -hmm. um, it was to kind of chronicle not only the stories on the page, but the stories behind the story. And the fact that the fandom did a ton of work to try to save that character and, and successfully were able to rally to save that character. And, you know, um, Mayday holds the distinction of being the only female-led title that, without renumberings, went 100 consecutive issues of publication. Right now, oh. no other uh, female has been able to achieve that Um without a relaunch yeah it's just part of it's the market but part of it is just the nature of how they do things now so it, it's you know spider gwen was making a pretty solid effort yeah and for a long time i felt like that maybe she was going to be able to achieve that and then they kept relaunching her and i'm like you're killing me smalls <laughs> <laughs> let me well let me uh let me ask you about that let's stay on that tangent for a second because i personally uh, hate the the constant renumbering and relaunching of stuff and um it you know and like when dc did like the new 52 and then when they did rebirth and they kind of went back to some of the legacy numbering and every now and then they get a new number one like superman number one just relaunched um as you know as of this recording um so it's it, it for me i'm sitting here going once in a while it doesn't bother me uh but the fact that marvel treats their comics like TV shows, so they're constantly, you know, re, you know, relaunching, and not only that, but, but then they're like, you know, the the spectacular twenty fifth issue, and I'm just like, you know, that that's when I roll my eyes a little bit and go, come on, man, like nobody cares about that, like it's just you trying to get a few extra bucks for me, and to your credit, you're doing it. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those. It, it is, it is a double edged sword. Um, yeah. On one hand, I love the fact that they are including legacy numbering on all, almost all the historical titles. Mm -hmm. Even, you know, the relaunched adjectiveless Spider-Man with Dan Slott and Mark Bagley has the legacy numbering on there. It does. So it it that is probably the best compromise to me. Mm -hmm. To me, that is the best compromise. Uh, per personally, I would rather them go back to legacy numbering and stick with it. That's just me. Uh, but I also think there's certain titles that need legacy number. I think Fantastic Four, mm -hmm. Spider-Man, the Avengers, uh, X and, uh, you know, X-Men, whatever, you know, is the uncanny, you know, whatever the that line, lineage is. Right. Those are, are like there's certain titles. There's probably about five, five to ten titles that desperately need to be nothing but legacy numbering because those, those are the legacy of Marvel. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, the constant numbering and, and and they started doing this in the 90s and it, it really has been very frustrating uh so for me i i i i too share your dislike of the constant renumbering and the constant um uh sales driven 
mentality. Uh, we were, I was, I've actually started writing a article that's going to be up on spideydude.com that, um, because it's kind of dovetailed off of a conversation that I've had some, several conversations I've been having on my podcast on, on Twitter, uh, which, you know, Spider-Man Twitter, I I've joked is like a knife fight. <laughs> so, yes. um, uh, you just gotta, you just gotta know that going in that there will be knife fights. Uh, <laughs> and there is a lot of, um, and I learned that the hard way because our show Spectacular Radio, um, which covers the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon mm. from the beginning all the way through, we had a um, great show. Uh, we had Greg Wiseman on all the odd numbered episodes to discuss oh. the behind the scenes of each episode. Mm. Um, we, I felt like give, gave one of the definitive podcasts uh, for that, that cartoon. Uh, we spent 30 minutes in our final episode with them, our next, our penultimate episode with them, um, discussing why there wasn't a season three. This was around the same time that the, there was this, you know, whole Twitter notion that, you know, we can bring back season three. And it's a very much a more complicated set of scenarios. And you can sit there and list everything off and use logic and reason. But sometimes on Spider Man Twitter, there is no, there is no logic. There is no reasoning. Yes. <laughs> it just is. And so, you you know, after that, I learned, okay, I just have to approach it. Like it's a knife fight. I, you know, I'll make my points. I'll defend my position. But the, the whole thing about the article is, is why is Spider-Man and comics broken hmm. and really trying to do a kind of a deep dive. Uh, one of my dear friends and, you know, I, we haven't gone to my podcasting history yet. But one of my dear friends in my old on uh, in my history of podcasting is J.R. Fettinger. He had a website called Spidey Kicks Butt, where he did like these essay length articles about Spider-Man. And in and that spirit, uh, in that spirit, he uh, uh, I'll be doing something similar with that mm -hmm. and kind of trying to figure out, you know, uh, look, because there's a lot of people that seem to think that bringing back the Spider-Man marriage is like a, is just like this this fix. And I'm like, it's not, it's not, it's not a cure. Right. It, it addresses a symptom of what part of the problem is, but it's not, it's not a cure. And I was trying to explain that on Twitter and, uh, you know, then, then you have the, the zealot over zealot marriage people that are, um, they mean well, but they don't want to listen to anything other than what, uh, you know, supports their, uh, their belief. And so sure. that's fine. You know, but um, we kind of went on a wild tangent, but <laughs> but yes, uh, um, no, I my I I think one of my favorite, uh, you know, getting in, uh, one more thing about the um, the renumbering thing. I remember watching an interview with Brian Michael Bendis years and years and years ago when um, it was right after Ultimatum, and they relaunched the Ultimate Comics. So then they were doing like you know, all the new number ones there. And then mm -hmm. at one point they went back to the legacy numbering, you know, um, and, <laughs> and it was my favorite way that he described it because it clearly was just him just being candid about it. He's like, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't remember what number it was. He's like, yeah, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man, uh, you know, number, you know, number 15 comes out this week. Uh, or actually it's, you know, hundred, you know, 115 because they went back to the legacy numbering for some reason. And, and and then he went on, and I just laughed 
watching that interview going yeah like why weird and uh mm-hmm. so it's it's just it's a strange uh and, well and it's I, it, it, yeah. it's just been so inconsistent across the line because at one point they were bringing back the legacy numbering across the line and then they were like no no now we're not going to do the legacy number i'm like either make up your mind yeah. you know either do the legacy numbering or not at least with the with the dual numbering that to me is the biggest compromise some people like my buddy brad pretty much does not call it by whatever the current numbering is he calls it by the legacy number and that's fine because that yeah. you're going to have that element of the fandom that is saying you know asm 913 to them sounds better than asm 19 volume 5 19 yeah you know it's so i you know i try to i try to do the uh, legacy numbering i'll put the uh, current numbering like in the description on my videos mm-hmm. uh, i am constantly trying to to evolve and be better uh, we were we're about two and a half years in to doing stuff exclusively or doing stuff on youtube first and then audio second mm-hmm. instead of the other way around um and so you know i'm constantly trying to get better and 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 refine the descriptions and stuff like that so that way you know that sweet sweet youtube algorithm um will uh, carry us on the in the current and uh get us to to the to where we want to get which is at least at start with a thousand subscribers so gotcha gotcha um so uh one last question before we dive into the story here is uh across spider media all right so movies comics video games tv do you have a favorite costume? Ooh. I love I love the ASM2 costume mm-hmm. in live action. Yep. I uh, I I want to see more of the end of no way home costume. Yes. Because it uh you know, I've seen it like I have the Funko Pop. Uh and I really like that one. That one may end up overtaking the ASM2 costume, but the ASM2 costume to me in live action looks like a Mark Bagley drawing come to life. Yes. Uh, the only thing that I would change about it is the length of the legs on the spider on the mm. bottom. Other than that, I I love it. Uh, in terms of comics, um, probably I, I, I'm partial to the, to the classic costume, but I am, re- I love the Ben Riley Spidey suit. Sure. Um, that to me is a really great reimagining, and I really like the uh, Beyond suit that they did with Ben Riley too. Um, mm. The Marvel Legends just got announced last week. Uh, I am looking forward to getting that. I am a big Marvel Legends collector. It is a disease. <laughs> uh, and then I really, really, really like the uh, both the the upgraded suit, but the original suit on the PS4 uh, game. I thought that that was, especially the original suit, just looks phenomenal. It looks like a John Romita drawing put into a 3D rendering brought to life. It just really is gorgeous. Um, yeah. And and it, it took me a while to, for the advanced suit to grow on me, but it did. And I really like it. So I'm really looking forward to PS5, Spidey. I don't have a PS5 yet, but uh, I'm going to try to rectify that by the end of the year. Well, you know, uh, maybe by then it'll it'll be in stock at Target or Walmart or something. So. You know, it's gotten better. <laughs> It's gotten yeah. better. Uh, I think the the supply chain issues with Sony, it, it was funny because the, the PS5 issues were not with anybody else but Sony. It was the it was the, the storage op, uh, chip 
that they are it's in a proprietary storage chip on the PS5. Mm-hmm. They couldn't get enough mass produced. And so it caused the production delays to happen, which then had the cascading effect. Right. Uh, I think now that they've gotten the mass production up and they've got enough of that supply of that ship, I think we're going to see starting, you know, probably halfway through this year. And you're starting to see it. They're getting more in stock. It's just that they're so in demand. And then you also have the scalpers that they're just coming in and trying to buy up the whole pallet. Right. So hopefully that phenomenon starts to, you know, lessen as these guys that bought those whole pallets and trying to sell it for 800 bucks are suddenly not getting it for 800 bucks and they're having to sell it for closer to retail and not making any quote unquote money on it. So yeah. fingers crossed uh, between that. And I figure there's going to be some special edition uh, PS5 mm-hmm. Spider-Man one. So that that's going to be really interesting to see. Yeah. I, uh, I am not a big gamer, but I, but I love watching like the cutscenes and stuff and, uh, but that's that one, and like, like the Arkham games for Batman, those got th- those yeah. draw me in. So it's like, okay, like once in a while you can get me. You know, if if I had my druthers, I think any game I'd want to play would be like Mario Kart. I could play any version of Mario Kart all day. That's my right, all-time right. favorite video game. But also, like, you know, my uh, two of my best friends are, you know, they love video games. So when they start talking video games, I just kind of sit there and just go. All right. Well, good thing I got my phone with me. I'll just... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, 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 I will say this. I, I, I said this whenever the, the game came out and with the PS4. I said, you know, if you're if you're in the market to go for a console, yeah, that is one of the games that I would say is good enough to have somebody purchase the console for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not a gamer like yourself, you know then you're right. You can go online, watch all the cutscenes, and, and it's just really well done. Um, yep. Yep. I, I, the, the redesigned Peter kind of has gro- had to grow on me quite a bit. Cause sure. uh, when they did, when they did the upscaling on um, for the PS five uh, and the remastered version, it, it was like, ah, this looks way suspiciously like Tom Holland. <laughs> <laughs> But it just happened to be they got a, uh, a face actor that kind of resembled it more, and it was easier for them to render. And I think that was part of the problem was the old one didn't look right trying to render it up to from a 1080 to a 4K scale, hmm. and so that's why they had to go with it. Um, but yeah, you know, um, like I say, I'm I've I just played Miles, the Miles game, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought they did a really good job. It's probably my favorite version of Miles overall, even more so than Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they incorporate the two of them in the uh, in the sequel. So, um, yeah. Uh, well, um, and after all that, we do still have a, a comic to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, man. Sorry, I told you I'm long-winded. No, no. Before we got started. Good. No, I love it. I love it. Um, all right, so we are talking Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 23, uh, cover date of October 2007, uh, written by Peter David. Uh, that name might sound familiar to some of you fans out there. Um, penciled by Todd Knock. I guess I've never said his name out loud. Yeah, Todd uh, Knox. Yeah, that's his name. Okay. Um, I always thought it was like a now or something. I don't know. I overcomplicated it. Anyway, uh, inked by Robert Campanella. Colored by John Gillies, 
and lettered by Corey Petit, or Pettit, probably Petit. Um, so, um, Zach, what what um, what made you pick this uh, particular issue? Um, and uh, out of you know the you know sixty one now plus years of Spider Man to to choose from. Oh boy! So the story for me with this issue is that this issue isn't—it's my fault. <laughs> uh, so to kind of get into my history a little bit, I started podcasting back in 2006 with the Spider-Man Crawl Space podcast with Brad Douglas and myself and a guy named Kevin. We started it uh, in August of that year, and in our eighth episode together, we interviewed Peter David. Peter oh. David is one of is one of Brad's favorite writers in general. And he's a big Hulk, Brad's a big Hulk fan, as well as a Spider-Man fan. Like that's his number two. So Peter David is like the best, you know, Hulk writer of all time. One of the best Hulk writers of all time. Sure. Plus he's had, you know, different runs on Spider-Man, including Death of Gene DeWolf. Um, and so we interviewed Peter David and Peter David was, this was during the back and black era of Spider-Man. So this was during the period between Civil Wars unmasking and One More Day. Yes. And so I during the uh, initial unmasking, there was a panel in one of the Amazing Spider-Man comics where Peter Parker gets served a lawsuit from J. Jonah Jameson mm -hmm. for fraud. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, during that interview, it, we all kind of went around and uh, the, the the horn and and got to ask our questions. And my question to Peter David was, uh, is there going to be a confrontation between J. Jonah? Jameson and Peter Parker. Is it going to happen in Friendly Neighborhood? Because Friendly Neighborhood was kind of more the the supporting cast title. Yep. Whereas ASM was very focused on May, Peter, and MJ. Friendly right. Neighborhood was very focused on Peter's world beyond um, those three, and so it dealt with a lot of like the school supporting cast, Jonah and Robbie. And so the setup to this book is that Robbie Robinson has been fired by Jonah, and Probably, and really without cause, because Robbie is kind of calling Jonah out. And he's like, you know, Peter Parker was like a second son to you. Why are you, you know, he's Spider-Man is no longer this nameless, faceless villain to you. Yeah. He is, there is a face to it. And he's calling him out mm -hmm. because, you know, Jonah had done a lot for Peter uh, over the years, not just, you know, provided him a, a, a steady income, but also did things like, I don't know, provide his legal defense when he was on trial for murder. Yeah. Right. Um, so it that's the setup to this book. And so what had happened was Peter David said, no, I, I, you know, I I'm assuming that it's going to be happening in ASM. So we get done with the interview. And this is probably about four, five, six months before this issue came out. Mm -hmm. And Peter David, you know, gets told, you know, there he already knows what the changes are going to be occurring in fact he kind of had been trying to foreshadow that most people didn't catch on with his mysterio arc that that was kind of a bit of a foreshadowing that mephisto was going to be involved mm -hmm. and so we, he gets to the to the point where he's starting to have to plot out you know more or less what is what his end game is and he goes up to steven wacker who was the editor at the time mm -hmm. and says hey are there is there going to be a confrontation before this big reset between joan and peter he says there's no uh, Joe has no plans. And he goes, well, can I do it? And he's like, sure. And so that's how the issue came to be all because <laughs> I asked this question in, in a podcast interview. 
Mm-hmm. And um, so that's how this story of how I accidentally inadvertently caused an issue of Spider-Man to be created uh, came about. So uh, the crazy thing was I never expected to be acknowledged or, you know, it, it to be brought up. He has brought it up several times. He had a column called uh, But I Digress in a uh, comic book buyer's guide. Uh, he used to be in that big, thick, you know, Bible where it was basically, all, you know, what is the price of all these comics? Right. He had a column at the in the at the end of that. I I'd never have been able to track down a copy of the book, but uh, he mentioned be my me by name and kind of told the story. Mm-hmm. He's told the story at cons. Uh, is like, what's the craziest comic book story you've ever had? He goes, well, it was actually that time I uh, was on a podcast. Somebody asked me a question and it ended up becoming an issue of Spider Man. <laughs> right. Uh, and then I got to have him on. Uh, my I had done a spinoff show uh, starting in 2009 called Clone Saga Chronicles, mm-hmm. and uh, we had him on to talk about the first issue of Ben Riley, the Scarlet Spider. And you know we had a lovely little conversation. He and I said thank you for doing that issue, and he goes, "Well, I shouldn't. You shouldn't be thanking me. I should be thanking you because I had no idea what I was going to do to end my run." <laughs> <laughs> And so this is the final issue of his run on Friendly Neighborhood and uh, just a little under two years and uh, really highly underrated run. Uh, starts off with um, uh, pa- or, uh, 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 Dezago, not Dezago, um Mike Ringo art. And then it ends with Todd Knock art, which is very much there in that same realm of style. Yeah. Um, and so Todd Knock, also one of the nicest guys, if you've never gone to a con and met him super super nice guy um talked with one of my co-hosts donovan grant for like an hour in artist alley and he was just picking his brain and he got a commission uh done from him and you know just sat there and answered every question that don had which was really really cool so uh great guy peter david also a great guy too so um yeah that's how this issue came to be is that it uh, all because of a podcast question so you never know (laughs) You never know what can happen. You know, sometimes, sometimes Peter or, or sometimes people will not do uh, things based on questions or suggest. They certainly won't do them on suggestions. So if you're like trying to suggest a story to a writer, they don't want to do it because then there's a legal thing. Sure. Uh, because you have to be, com- you know, you should be compensated if if they take your idea. I didn't care. Um. I just, you know, the fact that he acknowledged that it came as a genesis from a question, I, mm-hmm. I just think is really awesome. And so, you know, when you're you were t- asking me uh, when we reached out with each other, what you know, what book should we cover? I'm like, you know what? I, the story behind this uh, this book has to be told, and uh, you know, uh, it, it ended up being a really great issue. So that that was also <laughs> very helpful. Um, that's that's really awesome. Um... And, uh, and I'm sure not many people can say that. So that's, uh, that's pretty exciting that you get to have that, uh, that, that, that is a feather in my cap. Yeah. That's I... a, that's a claim to fame. Um, I think what is, uh, what's great about this particular issue is, um, I've noticed since doing the show that a lot of people's favorite characters, J. Jonah Jameson. And <laughs> I, I feel like I have a complicated history with the character where, um, I feel like I didn't like him until the movies when it was uh, uh, J.K. Simmons because it just, J.K. Simmons was just so damn good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but I, I love uh, the actor's name is escaping me. But the way 
uh, he's portrayed in Spectacular Spider-Man as well. Oh, um, Darren Norris. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, he's fantastic in that. Um, and and I think uh, it's it's interesting getting these uh, these these stories. And I'm going, oh, it's another it's another Jameson story. Here we go. And um, and it just it always makes me laugh a little bit. But I also feel like I I love this idea of this character um being this this blowhard no-nonsense guy but at the same time like you know you know he's got a heart you know he's trying to just be he's he's trying to do the right thing um and much like peter you know peter you know screws up doing the right thing more times than he succeeds i think would be an apt way to put um Mm -hmm. peter parker uh, like one of my favorite Jameson moments, like of all time, is in uh, Spider-Man Blue when uh, Peter says, "You know, I, I'm trying to take care of my aunt," and Jonah says, "Oh, I had an aunt once," and he says, "Oh, what happened to her?" And he's like, "She died," and slams the door. <laughs> and it's just like, oh gosh. Um, you know, it's it's funny because Jonah was based on Stan. Like yeah. Ditko designed Jonah around Stan, and a lot of mm-hmm. the mannerisms of 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 Jonah on page are a direct reflection of Stan. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's a little bit of that. I think when people understand Jonah, uh, but they've, they've Jonah is one of those that he has been such a character that they've done so much. There's been so much character study with him. Yeah. That, you know, you can either, it's very easy to write J. Jonah Jameson as a caricature. Yes. So trying to straddle that line of being a multi-layered character in a caricature, that's what the that's what a a talented writer has to has to str- that's that line that they have to straddle. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that this is one of certainly one of those issues that does a really good exploratory um character study of um of Jonah. And it certainly helped. I, there's a I can't remember the name of the it's a spectacular Spider-Man issue with Peter David. Uh that uh he did that's kind of similar where he did a kind of a you know deep dive with jonah and it just really is good i mean when you've had people like peter david and roger stern mm-hmm. and tom defalco do and Mateus to a lesser extent do these deep dives and character studies with them it, it just really is super good and if you like jonah there's a uh there's a tangled web issue called behind the mustache uh <laughs> Uh, that uh, is a really good one that also goes into like his origins okay in a, in, in a way that um, still gets referenced even into the monarchs uh, um, yeah Jonah Jonah's one of those he you're right though like when when you see JK Simmons do Jonah it's like oh that is Jonah it's, it's and so when they brought him back to the MCU, Mm-hmm. To play, you know, the the MCU version of Jonah, I was like, I was so happy. Yeah, yeah. I I, I had mixed feelings about no about uh, Far From Home. Sure. But that last ten minutes, or that you know that stinger after the after the movie where it's Peter in in New York, and then Jonah's on the screen and he you know does the big bombshell. I I just was like, that's Spider Man. Yep. Like. There's certain things that that were missing in the in the first two um, films, and then of course his his performance in No Way Home was just just phenomenal. So I you know 
yeah, this is this is a fun. St- we should probably get into the issues since we're. <laughs> <laughs> um, I one of my favorite characters is, is Robbie Robertson. So, and he's not in it very much, but having him be a part of the the story and uh, and and I love the uh, you know it's it's such a it's such a funny thing uh you know and, and this is this is also hard to do for writers when they try to when they call out lazy writing tropes and that in and of itself not not making that seem lazy or like shoehorned in but doing us credit thing you know you're, you're you know you're all making the same joke you're all you're all saying the same thing you know because you know uh randy's like no what do you mean by you people and he's like that's not what i meant and you know it and don't and don't mince words with me. I do it better than you do. And and then you know, they're all like, "What's he gonna do? Fire him some more?" Like, like you know. And then the wife comes in. What's he gonna do? Fire him some more. Robbie comes in. What's he gonna do? Fire me some more. And Jonah just goes, Ugh. "It's just such a, it's just such a, a funny beat to me where I'm like, under a lesser skilled writer's hand, that would just go, "Oh my god! Like you all are, <laughs> like get on with the friggin' story." But in this in this situation, I found it just uh, really really funny, and and a great way to to do the story because you know you, you I know a lot of people myself included aren't big fans of like in media res types of stories, but to me I I'm like you know what like it doesn't bother me in this setting in a because you're doing long form storytelling so like TV shows that go on for you know, a hundred or more episodes. Of course, there's going to be some in media res episodes. And, and of course with comic books, of course there's going to be in media res stories because otherwise it would just be super boring. Um, you know, it helps change up the format a little bit. And, and I found myself enjoying the book before I even realized that Peter wasn't even in the story yet. So that's also a testament to Peter David's extraordinary writing saying like, you know, when he shows up later and says, you know, Parker, you know, we're, you know, everyone knows where I am. If I don't show up in an hour, then, then, you know, the police will be here and, and all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's right. Spider-Man's in this book. <laughs> um, but it's also nice to have a Spider-Man story that doesn't have to be, you know, the, the vulture doesn't show up. Uh, the There's no Green Goblin attacking, you know, and it, there's no villain of the piece. There's just people and that's also a, a fun departure from from the norm of superhero comics you know what i mean yeah no it, it's it's it really is and, and and some of the best issues of spider-man are ones that don't involve a villain because you're you're doing a character study yes and you know uh, robbie and even betty in here you know i in my social spider-man group we have a running gag about how betty brand is a horrible person um <laughs> But, but here, you know, Betty kind of calls Jonah out on his crap, and he's like, you yep. know, you, how how could you fire Robbie? He's your conscience. I mean, because that was kind of how Robbie's always been. He's always been that steady, you know, doesn't get rattled. You have the bombastic guy, and he's, you know, with Jonah, and then you have Robbie, who is keeps keeps Jonah centered, yep. because Robbie is such a man of integrity that he's not going to allow his integrity to be. Um, smirched and you know he gives jonah generally that's very alliterative uh (laughs) 
the latitude to to you know to do his ranting and raving on the editorial side, but he's not going to do that on the on the news side yeah. because at, 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 at Robbie's core, he's gonna he's gonna do just the facts and keep it shoot it straight. And even at Jonah's core, even though that he is very much a tabloid, um, sensational type of guy when they've written him as a caricature. There is that element to, to to Jonah that says, okay, at the end of the day, I have to shoot the facts straight, even though, you know, um, because be, as long as he's got Robbie there, he knows he's going to do the facts straight. Right. And, and I think what, uh, what works about this issue is, and I've read other, other stories like it, um, but what, what this one does so well is, is the confrontation obviously between Peter and Jonah and, because even though it's it's you know it says right on the cover it's part of the back in black story, uh, for some reason I completely forgotten that it was the, you know the era like you said between Civil War and uh, one uh, one more day, and I was like oh I was like oh yeah like that's that's that was that whole thing which is funny because I was I literally just recorded an episode about Civil War about you know a week and a half ago, <laughs> um, but uh, I I think what works so well about it is I like. I like that Jonah, you know, they have this honest conversation where we have these two stubborn guys just being stubborn to each other. And it doesn't, and it doesn't feel like, all right, is anything going to happen here? You know, because technically there's a fight scene, but it's not, but it also, like I always love to say, there's, there's an emotional reality to it. And the only part of it that annoyed me just a little bit is me going, could Spider-Man get bruised up by a normal human, though? Like, that doesn't sit quite right with me. But then again, whatever. I guess it, maybe I'm overthinking it because the comic book be fun to shut up, idiot, and read it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no. I, 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 it, it is understandable. But in my headcanon, the way I viewed it was Peter was not only... He was leaning into those... Into those hits and Jonah was giving him everything he got because of the, the pent up frustration and anger that he, and resentment that he has towards Peter. Yes. So I always felt like Peter, because there is a sel- bit of self masochism with, with Peter, he's a very much a masochist sometimes with his, with his guilt that his guilt was, I deserve this. Mm-hmm. Um, and he already felt like garbage enough that I felt like he was, you know, leaning into those to 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 make a point. Yes. And so I, I understand your point. Because normally like a hum, a normal human punch should not affect Peter Parker. Right. But in this case, I think he was leaning into uh, it, it's the it's the opposite of what he usually does. He usually pulls his punches because he doesn't want to sit there and break somebody's face. Right. And I think in this case he was, you know, to prove that point that, you know, I deserve all this abuse that you're giving. Right. And it also comes to, it also brings into to the meta commentary of, you know, why Peter allowed the verbal and emotional abuse of Jonah through the years too. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of bring that into the, into the conversation because it, Peter could have done more to, to change Jonah's mind. Sure. But he didn't. You know, he didn't over the years because I think deep down there was a part of him that felt like, well, maybe he's right. It's that lack of that that element of a lack of self confidence in Peter Parker that that I think is that uh, is 
is at the the crux of his character. So yeah, uh, I, I completely understand what you're saying though. Yeah, uh, that that makes that does make a lot of sense, and I I totally buy into that idea. Um, and uh, but I don't necessarily buy into the idea that that Jonah is jealous of Spider Man because that that to me feels too small because it would make sense if he was also against Captain America or some of the other Avengers, but he's not really. Um, yeah, that's always been so inconsistent too. I mean, yeah. there's been some times where he is against all the all the other vigilantes, and then he's, um, then there's like, you know, if he if he does like eh, they're the good captain, or, you know, you got Captain America. I'm like, hmm. well, eh, that's only because you're 920 years old and you remember Captain America from when you were a kid. <laughs> but sliding time scale, sliding time scale, dictates that he shouldn't remember him as a kid. But you know. Uh, yeah, back in yeah. the '60s, you know, he was technically a kid whenever Captain America was around. So, sure, yeah, uh, that was good. By the way, good impression. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's been perfected over years and years of podcasting. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, one of my favorite memes that uh, gets shared around on Facebook every now and, and then it says, "When she when she sends you nudes, but all you wanted was pictures of Spider Man and from the the '60s show with his fist up in the air." I'm just, yeah, I just yeah. I just crack up every time with that, and, I, and yes. then I go. And then I go, well, where's the lie? I mean, like, you know, I don't want to see your dudes. I want, I want pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. It, it means the problem is, is that I have so many, so many pictures of Spider-Man that if she sends me pictures of Spider-Man, guess what? It's probably one that I already have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what? We're breaking up. Tired of this. You uh, should know well, this. <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, anyway, I don't know why I'm single. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but uh, what, Another thing that I, I kind of loved about this is is Peter, something that some writers don't get right, and it bugs me, and I, and I still argue that the with the exception of Into the Spider-Verse, the movies have not done well yet, which is that Peter is supposed to be funny, like genuinely funny. I was, like, the, the 90s animated show, I, I always thought Spider-Man was one of the funniest dudes in the entire world, you know, and I have the the one clip on my, or not clip, but, uh, you know, I guess me technically on my phone when the first time he fights Tombstone and Tombstone says, you know, come down here and fight like a man. He says, I don't think I can convince you to come up here and fight like a spider. And it's just such a funny line. And, I, and there's, you, there's you, I'm writing that down because I need I need to put that as a clip on my soundboard because I, <laughs> you know, I, I've got various things on here that, you know, like Mary Jane scream where he's screaming Mary Jane at the end of, of, um, because that was a running gag on Clone Saga Chronicles, <laughs> um, but you know, uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, I have like uh, one of the ones I have on here is like uh, Captain America. Oh, oh, I understood that reference. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's um, one of the best jokes in the entire MCU, and I still maintain it, this surprise. This, this surprises people. My favorite of all the movies, including Ant Man, which just came out, of all the post credit scenes. My favorite is still Captain America at the end of Homecoming, and looking at the looking off camera, going, "How many more of these?" And it just, it, it just yeah, rings. Yeah. It, I don't know why, but it just it rings true for some reason. You know, maybe it. Oh, point, dude! Chris Evans was saying the, that, that to Kevin Feige. Like, are we? Are we well, it, two sequels yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, it, my favorite part of that was. So uh, we're gonna learn patience. It's like. Dude, I am sitting there holding my bladder, waiting to get to this credit post credit scene, and it turned out to be a, a lecture about patience. I was like, <laughs> "Well done, well done." 
Well done, guys. Yeah. No, that uh, uh, the self awareness of it was was perfect. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and poor poor Evans hated that freaking mask so much. So I'm sure because like it apparently like like put a lot of pressure on his head. Mm-hmm. That's why through half half of the Avengers movie, he's not wearing. I I can imagine. I I heard something similar about Grant Gustin with the first uh, Flash costume that they had to redesign the cowl because he was getting headaches all the time. And it's like, well, look at that thing. It's 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 practically glued to his face. Of course he is. You know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I I find that very believable. Um, But uh, what's great about this this story is again showing showing off Peter and and Jameson. And I love the idea of. Of Jameson knowing that Peter is Spider-Man, like I know that the you know Dan Slott's run was was divisive. Um, I personally loved it, and I loved that Jameson uh, at the end of issue number eight hundred. You know he, they go to Flash Thompson's funeral, and he, and and you know there's sirens, and Jonah's like, well, "What are you waiting for? You gotta go." And Peter runs off, and Jonah grabs all his clothes, and he's like, "That boy would be so lost without me." It just that that to me, I was like, "That's cute." Um, uh, one of the best element, if Chip Zdarsky doesn't do another thing of Spider-Man other than, you know, that run on spec, which was very hot and cold for me. There were certain individual arcs within that run that I love. I love the amazing fantasy arc. I love that issue of Jonah because I felt like, I feel like Jonah and Aunt May knowing is not a hindrance to the overall mythos of Spider-Man now because there's been so much that has been done with them not knowing them knowing I think is an enhancement. Um, and so I, I think Zdarsky nailed it. It felt very similar to this issue for me. Yes. And I, I had said, you know, publicly, I said, you know, that is the, this is the best issue. And this, you know, even unbiased, because obviously I have a very clear bias with this issue, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sure, <laughs> but, but um, it's the best single Jonah issue since Friendly neighborhood 23. And so it, you know, it's it it again, those character study ones, there's but there's some really great Jonah issues. It's like, man, um, he's probably the most, I would say, one of the most developed supporting cast members. Um, probably top top between top three and five yeah. in Spider-Man lore. Um, and so yeah, yeah, you're but you're right. That that and listen, I have a lot of problems with dance slot. I'm going to go back and reread. One of the things we are going to do is we're going to do a, a deep dive into his run from the beginning. Um, so I'm looking forward to going back and reading it from the beginning. Now that it's complete and it's no longer, and I'm not reviewing it as it's coming out. I wonder, I'm wondering how my perspective is going to change. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, that was one of my favorite jokes of 800 was, was him <laughs> gathering up all the clothes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, you talking about like the knife fight earlier. I feel like me saying, you know, I'm a big fan of Dan Slott is, you know, then, then the switchblades come out a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> some of Dan's tropes, I have problems. Mm. Um, having read every one of Dan Slott's books on Spider-Man um, as they came out, I understand the hatred. But I also understand that there is an there is an element of people very similar to me. I, I you know, there's people that hate the Clone Saga. Okay, yep. there's yep. also people that started reading Spider Man during the Clone Saga that love the Clone Saga. Sure. And every comic, it, this is this was a a truism, especially in the 
Mark Grinwald, Tom DeFalco, Jim Shooter era of, of from the 80s into the 90s. Every comic is somebody's first. Right. So right. there's going to be somebody's first comic that they're going to have rose-colored glasses. I have rose-colored glasses for this issue, mm-hmm. despite the fact that Bill Sienkiewicz did the finishes on Salby Sima's art, and it looks terrible compared to the rest of Salby Sima's run on Spider-Man. <laughs> yep. Um, it was a bad fit, but because but I love Salby Sima. Mm-hmm. I just don't love him with some cabbage. I love Bill Sienkiewicz's work outside of this. Yeah. You know, he's a, he's a, he does some gorgeous artwork. It just doesn't work. It's, it was like peanut butter and, um, uh, and battery acid. <laughs> um, not, not edible. Right. Uh, instead of peanut butter and, and, uh, chocolate, it was peanut butter and battery acid. So, yeah. Um, well, in, in, in those types of terms, you know, I, I, I've said this on my other show, uh, you know, just on that tangent, just for one more second here. Um, and I have really, and I've gotten a, a visceral response from people close to me when I say, you know, like, um, as far as look, music, feel, Batman 89 is just about perfect. Like, the costume is great, the car is great, the music is perfect, but objectively, it is not a good movie. Like, there's no character development. <laughs> nothing really happens um no. there, there's literally half the movie and i timed it there's an hour of the movie without batman which is insane but it's true and i said that to my best friend and he was like you're you're crazy and he like tried to defend it and i just went no you compare it to and not even just other batman movies just just other movies well it's just it's just like the whole um and i this is this is going to be a lightning rod statement that i'm about to make it's just like that episode of big bang theory when they talk about indiana jones yes and yes. how uh you know all the events of the movie could have been done without indiana jones in it and it's uh, true you know and it's it's objectively it's true and, and look i, I I understand the hate for Big Bang Theory because it felt like that they were laughing at nerds instead of with nerds. Yes. Uh, but some of the references were pretty spot on um, when it came to the pop culture stuff. And I, it's the last sitcom that made me laugh out loud. Yes. Um, well, actually, that 90s show made me laugh out loud recently. I, uh, but, um, but that's also partially nostalgia glasses because I was a big that 70s show fan. Sure. Uh, but... You know, I, if it makes me laugh out loud, then I enjoy it. And mm-hmm. even even if it has flaws. So, you know, I, I, I but I get the hater rate. You know, that, that's one thing when you when you've been doing podcasting and reviewing stuff for as long as I have. <laughs> you you learn to play a little devil's, devil's advocate and sure. um, and not be so beholden to your to your statements, because, again, somebody's going to completely disagree with everything you say. And that's okay. It's okay. That makes the world go round. If everybody agreed with everything, then we would, you know, the world would be a lot different place. Um, I I've had uh, on on the other show we did an episode about Batman v Superman in the lead up to uh, uh, the Batman uh, last year, and uh, and we were and it was like between the three of us, there was one somebody who hated it, someone who was kind of mid on it, and then me who loved it. And we all kind of came to a middle ground with it. And I got a response. Uh, somebody messaged me on Twitter and said, like, dude, this was kind of some some crap. Like, it just seems like, you know, you're all Marvel fans watching a DC movie. And I said, if you were really listening to the episode, those two guys host a DC podcast. 
<laughs> your 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 argument has already folded in on itself. So you clearly were just upset that they didn't like the movie and <laughs> and tried to say, well, there's just Marvel fans dogging on it. It's like, no, they're they they host uh they host always hold on to Arrow. They love they love DC. So <laughs> but uh but anyway, uh, all that to get back to um uh, you know the uh, the genuine humor that's in this that and it, it's funny because the issue I found felt for as short as it is it felt like it was packed full of stuff even though again and I don't mean this as a bad thing not a lot happened um, but I love that you know you know he gets the the note and it's the FNFM and Betty says friendly neighborhood Spider Man and he says. Yes, Betty. If I had just come to uh, New York City, I never would have known. Them. And then, it, <laughs> and then that joke pays off at the end as well when Peter steals. The oh, bottle I, I, I have an, I have a little a little bit about that joke too. So, um, oh no, go ahead. Let's hear it. Uh, so, Peter David put that joke in at the end, mm -hmm. never thinking it was going to make print. Ah, okay. And he thought, oh, they're, surely they're not going to, because I mean, the joke is. I hate that FN Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and he he thought, surely that is not going to make to print. They're gonna somebody's gonna sit there and say, okay, we got to come up with a new line. And so he kind of was waiting and waiting and waiting, and he was flabbergasted that it got printed. Yeah. But it is one of the best jokes that I can remember. It is one of the most memorable and best jokes that I can remember in a Spider-Man comic. Is Joan J. Jonah Jameson saying, I hate that effing Spider Man? And it's just like, <laughs> oh, it's so good. And it was such a great way for Peter David to wrap up that time because, in, in his mind, he was done with Spider Man, he wasn't going to yep. come back. Like, he was moving on. It was, you know, he, he's had several runs with Spider Man, and he just he was approaching it like, All right, this is the end. And he's always said he wanted to play, uh, do that joke. And so the fact that he got printed was just, it, he said, it just floored me. So uh, yeah, that's, that's a, uh, that is a joke that he never thought would see print. And it did. It's, it's one of those that I, I'm sure it, it they, he could get away with it because it's in print and he's, you know, he's not curtsing obviously, yeah. but um, it's one of those things that like these TV that you know, a lot of cartoons, like, you know, when I rewatch, um, uh, it's been a while, but you know, watching like Red, Red and Stimpy, or even Animaniacs, you know, I, I, I see some stuff on there, and I just go, "Oh my god!" Like, if my how did dad, that make? <laughs> if, if my dad had walked in and heard that joke, he would have turned the TV off and been like, "You're never watching." That. Uh, dude, dude I, that's the reason I didn't watch Rugrats as a kid because there was <laughs> so I, I can't remember what the joke was, but there was a there was a joke that was like very much on the edge, and my dad's like, "Nope." <laughs> Yep. Yep. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I, I, I was one of the, I come, I come from a very, you know, conservative religious household. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like I didn't watch the Simpsons when I was a kid because yeah. Bart Simpson was, a, you know, he's a juvenile delinquent to use, you know, something that Jonah would say. Sure. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I didn't watch Bart. I didn't watch, you know, Rugrats, it, you know, it's one of those things. And people now look at me like, that's so weird. Cause some of some of the stuff that my that I, I hear on on like my daughter's tablet, I'm like, hey, why? Okay, hang on. 
no, 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 yep. that's not appropriate. And and then I have to sit there and point out and say, listen, this is why this is not appropriate. Yep. Um, and now that I've pointed it out to my ex-wife, she's like, oh, I, I guess I probably better start monitoring. The... I was like, yeah, you probably should start monitoring what's on the tablet there. There. Yep. It uh, and it's also it's it's far too easy these days for kids to access these things, you know, because oh, it's like when you know Rugrats, like if you, you know, if if you missed an episode then, you know, or any show, really, you know, you'd be hard-pressed to ever watch it again, right? You know? Uh, well, back in my day, when we did road trips, we had to go down to the video store, get the VHSs, <laughs> if your car had a VHS player, and then you had to change <laughs> it out, and then rewind the thing, and then pull it out, so that way... Because you had to be, be kind and rewind. Yes. You know, now, you got this little piece of glass that you can sit there and swipe with your finger and you have access to million types of titles <laughs> i don't know how good you got it uh old man yells at cloud it's uh it's just it's just true you know like you know, if you went to the bathroom during the commercial break you better hope that it uh, it was a quick one because otherwise you're gonna miss something <laughs> yes uh, I find myself having to go to the bathroom more often when I go to the movie theater. So I know that I'll be like, oh, well, whenever it comes out on Disney Plus, I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, even that, that's a shorter window than it used to be, too. Oh, uh, yeah. It used to be it used to be a solid year before it came out on VHS Yep. to like 18 months. Mm -hmm. And now it's, you know, I think 120 days. Sometimes um, less uh, like the HBO Max last year, like the Batman. Uh, yes, it was. 45 day, day, yeah day yeah it was less than that and even during the pandemic it was day and date yeah so like uh which i i think that now everybody all the studios realize that was a horrible idea yeah uh, and i hope <laughs> we never get a day and date type of release to me i think that that's just it was a good experiment for the time but like it, it ultimately is something that will kill the the, the movie theater industry if, if it was continuing right so i think it was um i think it's good that they at least you know gave it you know, let 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 them make the money on the theatrical release, and then you know, then reap those benefits on the streaming. So, right. um, which brings me to like, I, I can go on a whole wild tangent about like streaming rights and all that stuff because of the spectacular Spider-Man and all that fun jazz. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, but yeah, no, uh, you know, the fight in this issue, I I do understand your problem with the jealousy element. Yeah, my my only. things that jonah had said privately but never ever wanted to admit to himself publicly yeah and so the fact that peter is you know utilizing this moment okay now all the cards are out on the table and the anger the resentment um because you know why couldn't it have been somebody like john right you know who you know he loves and adores and always felt like he's the he's the guy that you should you know try to emulate somebody like a you know he's closer to captain america than he is spider-man that's right. the type of guy you know and that's always been jonah's shtick um even going back to the very first issue of amazing spider-man mm -hmm. which i just reread two days ago because i decided why not i'll start a uh i'll start a reread from the beginning and then my friend paul said well why didn't you start from amazing fantasy 15 and i was like okay paul anyway. <laughs> Which I don't know why Ben I don't know why Ben Stein just came out of me. Bueller. 
<laughs> uh, but you know, it, it, yeah. So that's when you just yeah. go. You just go. Shut up, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've told him shut up, nerd, several times. So you know, there's, it's all love with me and Paul. But uh, yeah, no, the 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 entire element um, of uh, you know Peter or Jonah just you know waylaying <laughs> Peter and yeah. getting him getting that out. And, you know, the fact that he even sits there and gives him a present as, you know, it's his final self-portraits. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, as the, like, the little snarktacular cherry on top, you know, that, you know, Jonah, it's funny, if, if Jonah didn't know Peter Parker and didn't have the history with Peter Parker, there's no way he wouldn't have printed those things. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. You know, if it had been just another fa- nameless, faceless man, you know, letting him, you know, melee on him and and knock him down, he'd have printed those all day. Oh yeah, Jonah Jameson saves the day from a masked menace. You know? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And so, you know, the fact that, uh, the first thing he does when he gets back to the bugle is smash it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then we finally get paid off the gag where he's walking down and he gets hit in the face with a door. Yes, which nobody believed him because <laughs> yeah. he. Uh, for those that don't know, he shows up with two black eyes and a busted nose, like he broke his nose because he ran into a door because he wasn't paying attention. Yeah, because you think that the whole issue is that that Peter did fight him back, and I and I and I misremembered it because I read this a while ago. Yeah. Um, but when I reread it for this uh, for this episode, I thought I was like, "Oh, like does Peter punch him?" Because I don't, I don't remember that. And I was like, "Oh, okay, that was that was a good gag that you know mm-hmm. the the kind of classic like my dog ate my homework." But it's like, "Oh no!" But like literally, my dog ate my homework. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, th- this and I I'm glad that it, it's funny because I when I was starting to read reread the issue, um, I was I went. Did we already do this episode? Like I, I remember this one, and I didn't think I'd ever read this one. And I and I went through my my episode list, and I was like, no, like why do I know this one? And then I realized, oh, that's right, because you know, towards the end of 2021, I was on a huge Spider-Man reading kick, and I read like the entirety of like the Back in Black story, and that was in there, um, or in the uh, the graphic novel, I should say. So I was like, oh, that's why. That makes more sense. Um, so my history with this comic is far less interesting than yours, but <laughs> um, but that is why I totally uh blanked on it and went, we already did this one, didn't we? And like I'm saying this like to myself, but I'm saying we because I'm a totally normal sane person. Um, well, you know, I mean the royal we. That's what we yeah. say. Yes. <laughs> um I got I gotta tell you, Zach, I really appreciate this uh, you know. Uh, the you know you suggesting this issue and and getting yeah. to talk with you about it. Uh, this was this has been uh, such a blast um, to finally uh, get to quote unquote meet you and uh, yeah, at least meet virtually. So yeah, and uh, and get to know your your Spider Man history. And I'm always uh, it's funny because a lot of people you know I I find that most answers even from kids that are like you know, I say kids. But I interviewed someone who was, you know, like 23, 24, 25, something like that. And even them, like, 
oh, I got into Spider-Man because of the, the 90s show. And I'm like, no, you didn't. I got into it because of the 90s. <laughs> um, yeah you know as a 35 year old it's but it's funny because there's a lot of people that watch the reruns of the 90s show like on disney xd and Gen, uh, and and you know jet x and mm-hmm. so I, I you know it's funny we we, we say that because like no you didn't but then it's like oh yeah you also gotta you also had those dvds that they came out with yep. even though they've never collected the whole thing on physical media though all the entirety of the show except overseas Yes. So if you got if you can get overseas copies, you certainly can do that. Uh, I would love to see a Blu-ray remaster of all of the cartoons of Spider-Man. That that to me would be awesome. And then yeah. then bring that over to uh, to to Disney Plus because even and that and Gargoyles um, are yes. like my big requests uh, because that is one thing I'll say about Spectacular Spider-Man and uh, MTV Spider-Man. At least they did they did do you know. 1080p upgrades upscales mm-hmm. because um uh of the blu-rays so yeah um yeah so i like i say I, this was the you know when i was thinking okay what single issue what's what storyline should i do because normally in the past I've, i i did a show called uh across the spider cast with uh, collier jennings and i did you know lost years and so, you know, I'm like, well, I've done lost years and I've done, you know, clone saga stuff, but this is, I'm like, I could tell a personal story about this and tell the story behind the story. So, uh, I am a sucker for that type of thing. So like, yes. I'm a documentary guy. I, like I watch like sports documentaries, like the last dance during the, the COVID period. I loved Michael Jordan when I was a kid. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I love Michael Jordan. And oh, so yeah. I devoured that thing. Cause I was like, oh this is so like the 30 for 30s for sports are like chef's kiss good yeah. uh i'm the guy that watches the freaking every time they do the assembled or the the behind the scenes stuff on disney plus for every time every mcu film i'm like i'm i'm watching it yep. you know i think i've watched them all now uh at least since wandavision so i think it's when they started doing that but um, yeah. um you know so like yeah yeah this is this is a great issue if you've not gone gone out to, to get it you can go get the you can probably pick it up for probably cover price it's three bucks uh at your comic shop or you can go on marvel unlimited find it easily on marvel Unlimited. so it's uh it's all there it's 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 worth the it's worth the read it's uh it's a pretty quick read but it's a it's a great read um and speaking of comic shop um what uh let's give your local comic shop a, a shout out uh where do you where do you go to uh so i'll give a couple um there's there's the one that I went to when I was a kid. I, I went there and they're still in still in business. Big Apple Comics. I think it's Big Apple Comics Amarillo. Uh, that is the one that I used to go to because I'm from the Amarillo area. And then the other one, I I haven't. I've only been there twice since I moved, so mm-hmm. I haven't. I, I I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head. But uh, uh, yeah, I'll have to look it up. But <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, also Heidi Ho Comics. Uh, from Santa 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 Barbara Santa uh, yeah Santa Barbara uh, California, Eddie D'Angelini is a personal friend of mine. Um, he opened his own or he took over one of the oldest comic shops in L.A. Mm-hmm. And in fact, uh, certain um, lightsaber wielding uh, actor used to be a regular there back in the day. Ooh um and so but he has an online shop heidihocomics.com he also has a online webcomic called collector's comic which is a love story between a man his wife and his comic collection 
<laughs> it's it's quite funny. The, the, uh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, so he's a great guy. So if you have not checked out HeidiHillComics.com, uh, he's got um a great huge inventory. And if he can't, if he doesn't have it, he can probably find it for you. So if you're if you're hunting comics, that's definitely a great resource. And also, I've also used um, LoneStarComics.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're based out of Dallas. Uh, and I've been to their shops a couple of times, uh, great people. And then great, great, great. Um, that's how I got almost all my spider girl comics. Cause I decided to get the entire run of spider girl. Since I was doing a podcast about spider girl, I figured I better get all the, uh, all the floppies because unfortunately there's a 70 or 28 issue gap in the issues being collected. So issues 72 to 100 have never been reprinted in a collection uh and the reason being is because they were doing these digests with scholastic books they were six uh they were you know this big yeah and they were tailored towards like manga readers and they got all the way to 72 and then the contract ended because scholastic wanted more of a cut from uh from the books because they were selling i mean it was like they were selling 120,000 copies each run uh and wow. it was the dirty little secret it was the most popular trade paperback at marvel because <laughs> lasted as long as it did it was because of that uh, particular partnership gotcha. they were wanting something that was all ages that was sort of like Archie that, you know, kids from, you know, from five to 16 could read mm-hmm. and spider girl fits that, that realm very well. And if you know, Tom, DeFalco's history, he, uh, he was an editor on Archie comics before he's joined Marvel. So like okay. he's, you know, in his comic history, he was, you know, he, he understands how to write an all ages comic. Right. And, um, so yeah, we talk about that, um, on uh some of our interviews with him so um that's really awesome um so um if uh people are swinging through uh the interwebs and they're looking to find you out there where can they find you all right here's my elevator pitch sit down and get grab you a snack because there's a lot uh so <laughs> i started doing podcasting in 2006 like i mentioned on the spider-man crawl space podcast i was there in, uh for the better part of 15 years uh, it's still going strong. So if you like Spider-Man and you like current runs stuff, um, you can go back and listen to from the beginning. I, so I've covered Spider-Man almost pretty much from around this period, black and black, the unmasking was amongst our first topics we ever talked about mm-hmm. all the way through to today. Uh, I left in 2020 and in uh, fall of 2020, I launched a show called Spidey to experience where we went back from the beginning of the Nick Spencer run and we are current to the modern comics. Uh, in fact, we are waiting for the this week's issue to, to drop because it's finally, you know, what did Peter do? We're finding out what that is. Right. Uh, I also on the that's on YouTube, um, youtube.com slash Dude Radio Network. Uh, the other sister show of no pun intended of the uh, mm-hmm. of the channel is Make Mine Mayday, the show all about Spider Girl in the world of the uh, MC2 Earth 982. I co-host that with my friend Kelly. Uh, so we had just finished uh, the second volume. So we've just finished The Amazing Spider-Girl. We're about to uh, kind of embark on the digital Spectacular Spider-Man, or Spectacular Spider-Girl, excuse me, 
uh, but we're doing some we're doing some catching up. We're covering some uh, odds and ends things in between uh, before we get started on that coverage. Uh, we have spidey-dude.com, which has been around since 1998. It was a website that my dad started back in the day. Um, we had a little uh, self-hosting thing, and we featured things like you know Scarlet Spider, Spider-Man. Uh, we had animated GIFs. We had uh, themes for Windows. Don't have those anymore because they would look terrible on modern uh, <laughs> on modern screens. Sure, um, but eventually that evolved to my podcast network which is uh started with 2009 with clone saga chronicles we expanded to spectacular radio the show about spectacular spider-man and that cartoon that ran for two seasons we also had a show called mayday mondays but uh it's not on spidey dude you can find it on spotify it was the first mayday show i did um a little bit smaller uh chunks it was one issue per episode whereas um, make my Mayday is more of a long form podcast, so it's more hour, hour and a half, multiple issues covered in each episode. Um, you've also got our other shows on the Spidey Dude Radio Network, such as Voices from the Eerie, a Gargoyles podcast, which is kind of a sequel slash prequel to Spectacular Radio, where Greg Bashansky and Jennifer L. Anderson go through and they discuss each episode of Gargoyles. They discuss the Gargoyles fandom. And there's been, I think, 30 or 40 episodes, and Greg Wiseman has been on 39 of them. So (laughs) uh, Greg is constantly there. They're also covering the new Gargoyles series that just came out uh, with Dynamite, I think, is the publisher. Yep. Um, They'll be cut. And so each each time there's a new issue, there will be a new episode that basically that when they the episode when the issue hits, there'll be an episode that Friday. Uh, The video version will be on our Patreon. The audio version will be available on your favorite podcasting catcher. We also have a show called uh, Sabi Sima Era Podcast, which covers the Sabi Sima's time on Spectacular Spider-Man, starting from the death of Gene DeWolf all the way up until the Clone Saga. And Amazing Spider-Man Classics, which was a show about Spider-Man from the beginning. Uh, three guys started it, uh, two of my co-hosts on Clone Saga Chronicles and a guy named John. They started it that season one. Season two, we kind of recalibrated it, used the same name. It's a father and son duo going back from the beginning, reading Spider-Man, starting with the Lee Ditko run. Um, the next episode actually is going to be dropping today. So um, check that out, the day of, of this recording, of course. Uh, and then we have, I'm catching up on all the audio on both Spidey to Experience and Make My Mayday. And I think that, oh, we have a... Uh, uh, pod, a Patreon first show called Books of X, a Cohen X-Men podcast that we are uh, in the process of do- doing the three-part pilot. Uh, and once that's done, that will be released on YouTube first. And then uh, the rest of the episodes will be on Patreon first until about six months after the initial release. And then they'll go out to the general public. So we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash network if you want to support the show. Uh, but also go find us on YouTube and give us a like, a share, and a subscribe. And leave us a five-star review if you like audio. Ooh. <laughs> I do a lot. The, the podcast network, and not to mention my time on Comic Binge, where I'm on the Spider-Man Council um, monthly. And so it, I, there's a lot. I do a lot of stuff. Trying yeah. to distill that into a, a, a 30-second elevator pitch is impossible. But, you know, we've, we've done a lot of content. And, you know, uh, I'm so thankful 
that uh, people have responded well to it. Um, I'm so proud. We finished uh, Clone Saga Chronicles and Spec Radio over the last year or so. Um, and it took a long time because of Greg Wiseman's schedule for us to finish Spectacular Radio. Uh, but, and the same thing with CSC, it was all about scheduling because it was such a big cast of, of uh, colorful characters, including myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, wrapping that up and then starting SDE and it, the fact that SDE has been coming out as consistently on YouTube as, as it has, has been something of an accomplishment for me. And, um, you know, I just have, I've had a great long running podcast career, so to speak, and uh, doing it as a hobby. And now I'm going back to school to uh, do sports casting. So that way maybe I can turn podcasting into a, something I can actually get paid for. <laughs> there you so go. I, I, I start that in April and I'm excited about that journey and, and um, going from there. So it's uh, got a lot going on, a lot of audio and video and technical stuff that I, that I'll be doing. So. Well, uh, good luck to you with that because that, because uh, you definitely have a knack for it. Um, well, thank you. I it's a ple- it was a pleasure being on here. It was fun to talk about this issue. Uh, it's one of my favorite stories to tell um, mm-hmm. people because people, it, you know, kind of don't believe me. Um, <laughs> I hadn't got back with Brad yet, so I, that's the only reason I didn't get, bring the audio clips that I was going to do um, <laughs> of like me asking the question. But uh, I may end up doing a video on YouTube, like just kind of telling the story because I think I think it's a fun enough story that it'll be. Uh, quick fun youtube clip and so um but i won't do that until after this episode drops because you know um i i enjoyed it so much so thanks for J- jj seriously thank you for having me on the show because it's really really cool uh, this th- this definitely was a blast and i'd love to get you back um to uh to discuss some other uh spidey adventure uh there's, there's i'm sure I'm sure there, uh, you know, there's a, there's a clone saga related story that maybe I can talk about, you know, that I, you know, haven't exhausted already, but I, you know, <laughs> I, I'm always down to, I'm always down to talk Spidey. Spidey is, you know, such an easy thing for me to discuss and to, and to talk about. And, you know, like I said, before we got started, one of the things I wanted to accomplish uh, when I kind of went off on my own and left crawl space was I wanted to network more with uh, all these other great podcasts that are out there. And, and this was on one of this was on my list, and, and it's been on my list for a while. So the fact that we finally got to sit down and do it together is, is just exceptional. So I'm really really thankful. Oh, you're you're welcome. Uh, pleasure was all mine today. Um, as for me, folks, uh, you can find me at Spider Man Books at uh, uh, on Twitter. You can also uh, email me Spider Man Book Club at gmail.com. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please write a review, subscribe, get the get those buds in ears, as I like to say. Um, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna leave you <laughs> as we always do with uh, uh, Stanley's signature, which is I hate that effing Spider Man. Wait, that's not it. It's Excelsior. <laughs> <laughs>